So last week we started this series and uh, we talked about who's our God in our life. And uh, this week we're going to uh, um, continue in that. If you look with our little display, our little display is kind of like growing. And uh, this week we've added a garage to it and uh, we've added a tree. And so things look like they're getting a little better for this family. Um, how many of you this morning are either a, a homeowner or a car owner? You want to put your hands up? Okay, so most of us this morning. How many of you, and don't be embarrassed, how many of you have either got a mortgage on that home or you've got financing on that vehicle? Put your hand up this morning. Okay, so uh, see all the people who don't have like any financing or anything? They're the people with the money, so you may want to like, ask them and see if they'll take you for lunch. Uh, so so mo- most of us this morning, we've probably got our home owned uh, through a mortgage or our car is financed through a finance company. Now, if I was to ask you this morning, how many, when I asked you how many own a vehicle or own a car, most of us put our hand up, right? Well, I got news for you this morning. If you have a mortgage on your home or you have financing on your car, you really don't own that home or you don't own that, 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 uh, that car. You try to miss a few payments. You try not to send your money to the mortgage company or the finance company. And what's going to happen? They're going to come and they're going to take your home away or they're going to come and take your car away. And we've seen that a lot lately. I mean, if we had to talk about foreclosures uh, about five years ago, uh, everybody would be like, foreclosure? What, what's that? You know, and that's something that, you know, happens to, you know, poor people and things like that. Well, we've seen that foreclosures happen. We've seen that cars get repossessed because we don't make payments on them. Well, the, the truth is that even though that you may be a homeowner or you may be a car owner, the real owner of that property is the bank. They are the ones that own it until finally they give you the, de- they give you the, uh, the, the, the lien on that home or that car back to you. When you finally get that in your hand, then you are the homeowner or the car owner. You know, when I was a, when I was a, when I was a, a kid, uh, I got uh, a sister, an older sister, and a younger brother. And my younger brother was like a surprise. He came like seven, eight years years after uh, after myself. And so for for quite a few years, it was just my sister and myself. And my sister was one of those sisters that was just horrible. I mean, uh, I tell it to her face, she was horrible. Um, and uh, I always feel sorry for boys who have got older sisters because older sisters are horrible. I mean, they're just like nasty. And so she was really, really nasty. So we've got a lot of pictures where uh, you see her right in the middle and you see her pushing me out and you've just got like, like one eye of me because she wanted to have the center of attention. And so then one day, one uh, Christmas, well, I think it was one, one uh, summer, my parents brought us uh, we call it in the UK a paddling pool, but I think you call them like wading pools here. Uh, you know, the little pools that the, the kids go into, they blow at once. So my parents bought us this, and we were in it one day. And well, while I was in the garden, my sister was in it, and it was really hot outside, like the one day of the year that it's hot in the UK. And so I go outside, I get my little uh, swimming shorts on. And uh, maybe European, but it wasn't Speedos. It was like swim shorts. And uh, just to clarify. And so I come in and I jump in this waning pool. And my sister pushes me out. And she says, get out. It's mine. It's mine. And she would not let me in. And she was like two and a half years older than me. And she was a lot bigger. And at the time, she was a lot stronger. And so I couldn't get back in the little waiting pool. 
And she kept on saying, it's mine, it's mine. So the good little boy I was, I just, you know, just went and like uh, took the head off a little My Little Pony or something like that, you know, just to get her back. But, but I started thinking about that and I started thinking, she was saying it was mine, it was mine. But all along I realized it wasn't hers and it wasn't mine. It was my parents. They had bought it with their own money and they're the ones that decided if we could play in it or not. We, we weren't owners of this waiting pool. And it's exactly the same. I look at my car and I realize I drive this car around and I'm not really the owner of the car because the bank is the owner of my car. And you know, there's a huge difference between being the owner and thinking that you are the owner. Being the owner and thinking that you are the owner. Most of the things that we buy, especially if we finance them, we are actually guardians or managers of that property. We really aren't owners. One day we may become owners of that property, but really we are managers or guardians of that property. And there is a huge difference between being a manager and being an owner. A manager has control of things. A manager can make decisions. But a manager can only stay in control as long as their decisions are favorable in the eyes of the owner. Once the manager starts to do things that the owner doesn't approve, quickly the manager has his control taken away. And last week we learned uh, about masters and who is our real master in our lives. Well, this week I want to teach you a principle that I call owners and stewards or owners and managers. You know, we hear in the United States, we hear that, that possession is nine-tenths of the law, right? Possession is nine-tenths of the law. Well, when I start to read my Bible, I start to see that there is a kingdom, and it's called the kingdom of heaven. And in the kingdom of heaven, possession is not nine-tenths of the law. In the kingdom of heaven, ownership is 100% the law. the law. So let's take a quick look at who the owner is in the kingdom of heaven. Who is the owner in the kingdom of heaven? Well, it was the the second king of Israel. His name was David, King David. He wrote in Psalm chapter 24 and verse 1, he wrote this. He said, the earth is the Lord's and everything in it. The world and all its people belong to him. Do you get that? The earth and all its people belong to the Lord. So in the kingdom of heaven, we're seeing here that the Lord is the owner. And then one of the apostles of Jesus, a man called James, wrote in James chapter 1 and verse 17, he said, whatever is good and perfect comes down to us from God our Father, who created all the lights in heaven. So what we see from these two passages, we see firstly that God, the Lord, is the owner of all the earth. He's the owner. But then we also see in, the, in James that God is not just the owner, but he is the creator as well. He is the creator and the owner. So the earth is God's. And last week we learned about this God a little bit. We learned that he is a covenant-keeping God. He is a God that keeps his promise. Well, this week, I want to introduce you to 
this same God, but a different way of looking at this God. Everything in this earth belongs to God. He is the great creator. And you know what? He has not sold his creation. He has not sold his creation. So often we create things. Everything that we have from, from our, our coats and our clothes to our electronics. Somebody is a creator. But that creator sells their creation. But when I read the Bible, I find that God has never sold his creation. He is someone who has created something for himself and not to be sold. So the earth is God's. And so this means that God is the owner of everything we possess. That means God is the owner of our money. God is the owner of our material possessions. God is the owner of our time. He's the owner of our talents. He's the owner of our gifts. And it doesn't matter if you serve God or not. It doesn't matter if you are a Christian or not. He is still the owner of all that is within the earth. You know, there was an event in history. And we find it in Genesis um, chapter 2. And we see that an event took place where evil came into this world. And this evil disguised itself as something pleasurable. You know, for Christmas, um, we got this Blu-ray player. And uh, we're in Target, and we're looking at all these Blu-ray movies. And, and one thing about buying a Blu-ray player is, geez, the movies are expensive. And so Target had this sale on when they were like $5, $7. And we were looking through all the movies, and there was this one movie in there that just brought me back to my childhood. And my, and my wife, Raquel, had never seen this movie. So I kind of get excited like a kid and start jumping up and down in, the, in, in Target uh, because I see this movie. And the movie's called Chitty Chitty Bang Bang. And uh, isn't that the coolest movie? Right, yeah. And uh, I won't sing it for you. And, uh, but so we buy this movie. And in the movie, they go to, uh, uh, to, to this place for, called, uh, 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 I forget, Moravia or something like that. And... In this city where they go to, there is no children. And uh, the, the family who are on this car called Chitty Chitty Bang Bang, they go into this city and there's children with them. And so they have to hide the children because children are not allowed in this city. And what they find out, they find that there are children in the city. So there's this, this part of the movie where this guy with this big long nose comes out and he is called the Kid Catcher. And I remember when I was a child and watched this, I mean, it used to give me nightmares and petrify me, and I used to hate it. Well, this kid catcher would go out and he would sniff out the kids and try to find the kids. And so that he could, he could capture the kids and put them away where nobody could see them. Well, he couldn't find the kids. So one day, he came and he was like an ice cream truck, like a candy truck. And the kids started seeing it, and he started saying that there was candy, and he shouted out. And the kids heard it, and suddenly, you know what kids are like when there's candy around? They come out of the place they were hiding, and this guy feeds them into the van where they are, and then suddenly they realize they've been captured by the kid capture. Well, this is kind of what happened in this world. Sin came into this world as something that looked pleasurable. And then what happened is as soon as, as Adam and Eve took of this pleasure, suddenly they realized that they had been tricked. And in your life and in my life, sin has come into our lives so much 
But it came in a form of a pleasurable thing. But what happened is when sin came and we partaked in this sin, suddenly it was like in Chitty Chitty Bang Bang where the kid, uh, the kid ca- um, catcher suddenly captured these kids and took them hostage. So too, when sin has entered your life and my life, suddenly we have been taken hostage by this sin. And there was only one way out of being a hostage. And that was for somebody to pay a ransom. On our behalf. And this is where God came in. He brought you back. And he paid what we call a ransom. For you and for me. And even though he owns us. And everything in the world. He still paid this ransom. To free us from this sin. And so in 1 Corinthians chapter 6. Verses 19 to 20. The apostle Paul. He wrote this. He says. Don't you realize that your body. Is the temple of the Holy Spirit. Who lives in you and was given to God by you. Now listen to this. He says, you do not belong to yourself. You don't belong to yourself. For God bought you with a high price. So you must honor God with your body. Because God has bought you. He paid that ransom for you. And then Ephesians chapter 1 and verse 14. The same apostle Paul says this. He said, the spirit of God is God's guarantee that he will give us. The inheritance he has promised. And that he has purchased us to be his own people. He did this so that we would praise and glorify him. So God has bought us. He has purchased us to be his own people. This means that God bought you. And that means that God is the owner of you and all that we have. Actually this same man the Apostle Paul Tells himself in many different epistles of the Bible. He says that he is a bond servant of Jesus Christ. A bond servant of Jesus Christ. That means he is bound to Jesus Christ. Like almost like a slave is to a master. But the difference is with Paul than a slave is that Paul has freedom. He has freedom to make his own choices and do his own things. But still he is owned by God. You know, several months ago, I was looking at my own financial situation. And I had a conversation with God. And the conversation went like this. God, why aren't you blessing me financially? God, I pay my tithes. I give you my time. I give you my energy. I give you my gifts. Why aren't you blessing me more? To which God replied, nothing. So I asked again, I said, God, what is going on? Why are you not blessing me financially? Why sometimes does it feel like I'm struggling and struggling? Why does it feel like I'm just wading in debt and different things and this and that? God, why are you not blessing me? And God replied, nothing. So I changed my tactic up a little bit. And I don't know if you've ever had these conversations with God. And uh, so I'm like, okay, let me see if God will hear this one. So I said, God, you've blessed the church and the church has done financially well. But why are you not blessing me? And then God said, ah, now you've asked the right question. And I really felt God say to me, he says, the reason that I have blessed the church and not you is because you have treated the finances of the church like they are my finances. But you have treated 
your own finances like they are your finances. I treated the finances of the church like they are God's finances, but I treated my own finances like they are mine. That means I've treated the finances of the church like God is the owner, but I've treated my own like I am the owner. And suddenly it was like a dagger to my heart. I'm like, oh no. So I started looking at at my own finances. And I started realizing that I had not used my finances as God would have me use them. But I had used them how I wanted to use them. And it reminded me of a story in the Bible. If you have your Bibles this morning, if you want to turn to Matthew chapter 25. Matthew chapter 25. I'm going to start reading at verse 14. And it was this story that made me start to think about this series. And I started realizing if I'm struggling and I think I'm the owner of my finances, then I guarantee that some of the guys at Generation Church are probably struggling as well. And so I started reading this. So in Matthew chapter 25 and verse 14, it says this. Again, the kingdom of heaven. Remember that, the kingdom of heaven. In the kingdom of heaven, God is the owner. Possession is 100% the law. God is the owner. So again, in the kingdom of heaven, can be illustrated by the story of a man going on a long trip. So this is an example. This man called together his servants and entrusted his money to them while they were gone. He gave them five bags of silver to one, Two bags of silver to another, and one bag of silver to the last, dividing it in proportion to their abilities when he left on his trip. So we see here that this is the master's money. This isn't the servant's money, this is the master's money. So now they've been given money by God to manage. They've been given possession to manage. And we see here that the master had given them to each their own ability. To the one who he knew he could trust, he gave more. To the one he couldn't trust as much, he gave less. And then in verse 16 it says, The servant who received the five bags of silver began to invest the money and earned five more. So he doubled. The servant with two bags of silver also went to work And earned two more. So he doubled what was given to him. But the servant who received one bag of silver. Dug a hole in the the ground. And hid the master's money. After a long time the master returned from his trip. And called them to give an account of how they had used this money. The servant who he had entrusted the five bags of silver came forward with five more and said, Master, you gave me five bags of silver to invest and I have earned five more. The master was full of praise. Well done, my good and faithful servant. You have been faithful in handling this small amount. So now I will give you many more responsibilities. Let's celebrate together. So we see here the first one, he has invested his money. Or, I'm going to broaden this out, he has invested the things that God has given him. Now imagine if you and me, we start to invest the things that God has given us. I'm not talking about investing in Wall Street. Investing in in bonds and in in bank accounts and IRAs and, 
and retirement plans and everything. I'm talking about investing in the kingdom of God. That can be many ways. That can be financially investing. That can be investing our time. It can be investing our talents. But I think mostly it's investing in other people. And imagine us as a church, if God has given us what we have, and we start to invest in other people. Invest the things that God has given us in other people. Wow. The Bible here says that the man, he doubled what was given to him because he invested. And so the master comes back and he says, well done. You are good and you are faithful. Let's celebrate together. So then it goes on. And in verse 22 it says, Then the servant who had received two bags of silver came forward and said, Master, you gave me two bags of silver to invest, and I have earned two more. The master said, Well done, my good and faithful servant. You have been faithful in handling this small amount, so now I will give you many responsibilities. Let's celebrate together. But before we we just read that, the, the man with two bags of silver, he went and worked. He didn't just sit sit on his butt and hope the money grew by itself. He went and worked. He gave of his time. He gave of his energy. And the result was he doubled what was given to him. Then in verse 24, it says this. Then the servant with one bag of silver came and said, Master, I knew you were a harsh man. um, Harvesting crops you didn't plant and gathering crops you didn't cultivate. I was, uh, I was afraid and that I would lose your money. So I hid, in the, I hid it in the earth. Look, here is your money back. But the master replied, You wicked and lazy servant. If you knew I harvested crops I didn't plant and gathered crops I didn't cultivate, why didn't you just de- deposit the money in the bank? At least you have, could have got some interest on it. Then he ordered, Then he ordered, Take the money from the servant with the one, and give it to the one who has ten bags of silver. To those who use well what they are given, even more will be given. And they will have an abundance. But from those who do nothing, even what, um, even what little they have will be taken away. Now throw this useless servant into outer darkness, where there will be weeping and gashing of teeth. So we see here that the person who was given one bag of silver, he sat on what was given him. He buried it in the ground. And the result is, when the master returned, he had nothing to show except for what the master had given him. The guy with one one bag of silver, he was probably afraid. He was afraid that he was going to lose something. Yet, what I've discovered with the kingdom of God, with the kingdom of God, if you want to do anything in the kingdom of God, then you must always make a sacrifice and there must always be a risk. And you must always step out not knowing what's going to happen. Because God blesses those who step out in faith. You know, in fact, God is the one who gives us gifts. In John 3.27, it says, No one can receive anything unless God gives it. From heaven. And I ask you today, what has God given you? In your life, what has God given you? I, so, much, so often in my life, I've looked at what I don't have instead of what I do have. What has God given you? 
And what are you doing with what God has given you? There's going to be a day when the master and his name is King Jesus. And he will return to this earth. And he is going to return for the gifts that he has given you. He's going to return for the money he has given you. He's going to return for the children he has given you. He's going to return for the health. He has given you the time and the talents He has given you. The opportunities to declare His Word and tell somebody else about Jesus Christ. He has given you. And when He returns, what is He going to find? Are you going to be like the guy with the five bags of silver and says, Lord, look what I did. With what you gave me, I invested. Are you going to be like the guy with two bags of silver and says, look what, look what I did, I worked for you. And look what happened. Or you're going to be like the guy says, ah, I was scared what was going to happen. So I buried it in the ground. God is looking for the five bags of silver and the two bags of silver. He's not looking for the guy with the one bag of silver. Have you invested to produce more for the kingdom of God in what he has given? Or have you kept it for yourself? For many, they just refuse to believe. And you may be one of them this morning. You may refuse to believe that all that you have is God's. I've had this debate myself. I know, and I'm sure that you've had this debate. And you may be having it this morning as you hear this. But you may be saying, I earn my own money. I work my butt off for my money. I go to work. It is my money because I work for it. My possessions are things I have bought by myself. They are my children. They are my gifts. They are my talents. You may say, like my sister, it's mine. Get away, it's mine. Well, you're wrong. Because it's not yours. Those Benjamins that you go to work for are actually called Federal Reserve Notes. And say if you have a $20 bill or a $100 bill that you go and pay for stuff with. That money is worthless. That paper is worthless. It's probably worth like, I don't know, two cents. It's worth nothing, but it represents something else. It represents a value, and that value is the value of gold. So when you go to the supermarket, whether you go to Giant or ShopRite or, or if you're flashing, you go to Wegmans. Uh, when you go and you give them your, your, your money or you give them your credit card, what you are in fact doing, you are trading in gold. You are giving a portion of gold to that supermarket. And even though that gold was dug by a miner, and maybe a company produced that gold and the government bought that gold. The Bible tells us who the true owner of that gold is. In Haggai, which is a real small book at the end of the Old Testament, the pro- it was a prophet named Haggai. He said in, in, in uh, chapter 2 and verse 8, he said, All the silver in the earth is mine. And all the gold in the earth is mine, says the Lord of heaven's army. So that money that you are trading is really gold. And the Bible tells us that the earth is the Lord's. And here it says that actually the silver and the gold is God's. So that means what you have in your wallet today is God's. 
That's hard to hear because we go to work and we work hard for our money. But really, it's God's. But the great thing about it is God has been kind enough to give us the freedom to use His possessions. What belongs to God, God has freely given us that. And then He gives us the freedom to choose it. Almost like a manager who has control and can make decisions. And this morning I want to ask you, are you controlling your resources as the owner, the master that we talked about last week, the creator God, the God of heaven and earth, would approve? Before we close, I want to, leave, I want to read one last parable that Jesus gave. It's found in Luke chapter 16. Starting at verse 1, it says this. Jesus told this story to his disciples. There was a certain rich man who had a manager handling his affairs. One day a report came that the manager was wasting his employer's money. So the employer called him in and said, What's this I hear about you? Get your report in order because you are going to be fired. The manager thought to himself, Now what? My boss has fired me? I don't have the strength to dig ditches. I'm too proud to beg. Ah, I know how to ensure that I will have plenty of friends who will give me a home when I'm fired. So he invited each person who owned money to his employer to come and discuss the situation. He asked the first one, how much do you owe the master? The man replied, I owe him 800 gallons of olive oil. So the manager told him, take the bill and quickly change it to 400 gallons. And how much do you owe my employer? Asked the next man. I owe him 1,000 bushels of wheat, was the reply. Here the manager said, take the bill and change it to 800 bushels instead. The rich man had to admire the dishonest rascal for being so shrewd. And it is true that the children of this world are more shrewd in dealing with the world around them than are the children of light. And as believers of Jesus Christ, if you're a believer of Jesus Christ, you are a children of light. So the reality is really the world is a lot more shrewd than sometimes we are in the church. It says there, it says, here is the lesson. Here is the lesson. Use your worldly resources to benefit others and make friends. We'll talk about that a few more in a few weeks. It says, then your earthly possession, when your earthly possessions are gone, then we will welcome you to eternal home. But for today, this is what I want you to understand. And listen, it says that Jesus says, if you are faithful in the little things, then you will be faithful in the larger ones. But if you are dishonest in the little things, you will be dishonest with greater responsibilities. And if you are untrustworthy about worldly wealth, who will trust you with the riches of heaven? With the riches of heaven. If you can't, uh, if you can't be trusted with what God has given you here, how will He entrust you with more what's in heaven? It says, and if you are not faithful with other people's things, why should you be trusted with things of your own. This morning, if we were at this present moment to sit before the great throne of God 
And God would ask us how to describe how we've used the resources that he's given us. Would he say, well done, faithful servant? Or would he say, you've disappointed me, unfaithful servant? Well done, faithful servant. You've disappointed me, unfaithful servant. You know, God doesn't want to take from you at all. In fact, I know that God is a God that gives and gives and gives. And God gives in so many different ways. God gives financially. God gives health. God gives time. He gives energy. He gives friends. He gives children. God gives in so many different ways. But all I know about God is this. The Bible tells me that if this is our life, this jar, God wants to bless us so much that He wants to get these blessings and He rams them into this jar and He he crushes them and He tries to get as much into this jar as possible. And when He does that, the Bible says then He starts to press down. Press down so we can get more and more and more and more in. Like you lazy guys who like when the trash is there, instead of taking out, you just crush it and try to get more in. So I'm one of them. So he presses and presses and presses. And then the Bible says he shakes it and he shakes it together so we can get more in. And then he pours more until it is overflowing. That is how God gives to you and to me. And I honestly believe this morning with my own heart, because I am guilty of it myself. I believe that for so, for so many of us, the reason God is not blessing us financially or blessing us with so many of these blessings we want, it's because we have not learned that all that we have is the Lord's. It's not ours. It's God's. And this morning I want to tell you, Invest in His kingdom and there will always be a return. Always be a return. Invest in this world. Invest in the things that you just want to do yourself. And eventually, just like in Vegas, you always lose. You always lose. Today I promise you that we would have some resources for you. And becoming a good steward of the resources that God gives us is tough. It's not easy. But for some of you this morning, you may be sinking in some places that you don't even want to think about. Like I said last week, the average American has $15,000 in credit card debt. That's a problem. That's a problem. Because the average American only saves $325 a year. That's a problem. And so what we have for you this morning, and there's a, we have a ton of books and CDs and videos, and I am not a financial counselor at all, so this is why I didn't write any of this stuff at all. But there's a guy called Dave Ramsey, and I'll be honest, sometimes he can seem arrogant, and sometimes he can seem very prideful, and sometimes you just want to shoot him in the head, and, uh, because he's tough. But all I know is that This guy, he has helped so many believers get out of financial debt, get out of financial problems and situations. That uh, is unbelievable. 
And I've been reading his stuff, and I just know I need to get my own house in order. And so, if any of you, if you want any of these resources this morning, they're all here. There's one here. This is probably the best one out there. It's called Financial Peace. Uh, but there's a bunch of things, and, and, you know, if we run out, then I'll get some more, and, and we can give you some more. But for those of you this morning, if you are struggling being a good steward of your finances, then pick up some of these resources. And we've just got them all here at the front. And after service, come and pick them up. Take them with you. They're free. You can take them. And start to read them. You may not want to go through this guy's plan, but just by reading some of this stuff, you'll start to understand what I should be doing with the resources that God has given me. And then by the end of this series, what what I'm going to do, he has an online course. It's called Financial Peace University. And... It's not cheap, and it's like a 12-week course. But it takes you through all that. You get a bunch of resources. And what I'm going to do for one of the families in the church, if you are really struggling, you want to go through that, then we're going to, I'm going to provide that for you and, uh, and, and provide uh, that financial university for you so that you can go through the 12 weeks. You can do it online and things like that. Or because this is what, what, what I realized. I was talking with, uh, with, with Mike Agnes uh, a few months ago, and we were talking about finances. And we, we were listening to some of these tapes um, of, of this preacher. And this is what this preacher said, and we were discussing it. If you can't get the financial thing right, you'll probably never get the God thing right. And when I heard that, I realized, wow. If I want God to bless me in all the things that I desire, I need to get my finances right. And so these resources are part of that, just helping you guys with that. One thing here at this church that we always said we would do, we would never tell you like how bad you are or anything like that. We always tell you how much God loves you, what purpose he has for you. We'll challenge you. We'll tell you the whole world. But we want to resource you to become a better disciple of Jesus Christ. And at the moment, I can't think of a better way just to give some of these resources to you. And so we got that for you, so you can pick that up after service. But I don't know where you are in your life. I don't know if you've been a faithful steward or an unfaithful steward, a faithful manager of what God has given you or an unfaithful manager. But that doesn't matter because right now in this place, you can come back to God and say, God, from this moment on, I'm going to make sure I'm going to be a faithful steward. Trust me in the little things. Trust me in the little things. So that then you can trust me in the larger things. Let's bow our heads in prayer.